All right, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Luke chapter 16? Luke chapter 16 would just be a few minutes tonight, but I love this particular story from God's Word. Matter of fact, it's one of the most motivational stories that I see in the Bible that helped me personally. It may not help you, but it does help me. And it's something about it that really strikes a chord with me and really challenges me to do more for God and others. Luke chapter 15, you know the prodigal son is mentioned there. Luke chapter 16, toward the end, is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. But in chapter 16 of Luke is an unusual story. It's the story of the unjust steward. I think it's a little confusing, but I do believe it can be very helpful for us this evening. Let's follow along. Would you look at verse number 1, Luke chapter 16? And we remember, if you look at the first few words, you'll see that Jesus is talking to His disciples. He is not talking to the masses of people, though it got back to the Pharisees that He was preaching on this, and it punched them in the gut. It, it poked them in the eye. And I don't know if they heard it right that moment or not, but I do know that they got, the message got to them and it really fired them up. And let's look at it real quickly. Verse number one, the Bible says, And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his good. Verse number two, and he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward, the guy who worked for him, said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. He's going to fire me. I cannot dig, and to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one his, lo his Lord's debtors unto him, and says to the first, How much owest thou to my Lord? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, and write fourscore. And the Lord, this is not Jesus, this is the man who this fellow worked for, commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are wiser in their generation, uh, or in this generation, are wiser than the children of light. That's a real uh, terrible accusation there, but unfortunately it's true. Verse number 9. Wherever you are, would you read it with me? Verse number 9. Here we go. You ready? And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? Verse number 12. And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Verse 14, the Bible says, And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, they were thinking about all this money. They were thinking about this matter, heard all these things, and they derided him or criticized him. 
And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. This is a unique story that God gives us in the Bible. And I want to take a few moments tonight and talk to you a little bit about the stewardship of life. We find in the story here, there is a wealthy man who has multiple people working for him. He has one man who has been, he's been told by others that this particular guy is causing you to lose your money. He is wasting your goods. Well, rich men don't stay rich listening to such things without action. So he did as what you would do if you were an owner and you had someone working for you who wasn't doing a good job and who was wasting your money. This owner went and he found the man that, uh, that he wanted to see that had been accused. And he said, listen, what is this I hear of thee? I hear that you're not doing a good job, but I'm going to give you some time. He said, because I may fire you, you may no longer be my steward. Well, when that man heard that, he knew he was in trouble. He said, you know what? I'm going to get fired. <laughs> he said it within himself. What am I going to do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. I don't know why he said he couldn't dig. Maybe because he was, had a bad back. Maybe he's just plumb lazy. But he, maybe he was older. He said, I can't dig. And to go around and beg, I'd be embarrassed to do that. What am I going to do? Here's what he said. He thought a moment. He said, you know, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I, I know what I'm going to do. So that when I get fired, that I'll have a place to go and live. And people will still be gracious to me and help me in my rough spot. They'll give me a place to live. They'll give me food to eat while I get, because he was living in the boss's house. It wasn't just he had a job to do for the boss. He was eating at the boss's table. He was enjoying the boss's home. They lived in his wife, his kids, and all that was going to go out the window in just a matter of a few days. Whenever the boss called him in, he did not have the accounting. He knew he was toast. He knew he was going to get canned. He knew he was going to get fired. And so he thought to himself, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a lot of friends in this short period of time. While my signature matters, while my decisions are final, I'm going to make some friends. Here's what his idea was. He went to the people who owed his boss money. He went to the folks who had a debt against his boss. And he said to them, how much do you owe my Lord? And he said, well, I, I owe him a hundred measures of, of oil. He says, well, I'll tell you what to do. Let's change that from 100 to 50. I don't know exactly what the bill looked like. I don't, he had the ring, most likely, that his boss gave him. And when he would go buy things someplace, he probably had a signet ring that represented his boss's company or his credit there. Maybe he had a pen or some kind of an ink pen. And he said, what do you owe? He said, I owe 100 measures of oil. He said, let's change it to 50. Well, the guy who got the deal was really excited. He said, you know what? You're such a good man. Thank you for being a blessing to me. He said, you cut it in half. You really helped me. He said, I really appreciate you. He said, we got to do lunch sometime. In the back of his mind, he said, oh, yeah, we're going to do lunch sooner than you think. 
Maybe one of them said, you know, hey, how about, you got to come over and spend some time with our family. We gotta, I got to repay you. You really have helped me a lot. He said, well, not right now, but next, next, next person, please. The next guy, he said to him, he said, now how much do you owe my Lord? He said, 100 measures of wheat. He said, let's change it. Let's take 20% off. Let's just make it 80. Well, that guy too was excited. You'd be excited if you went to go buy something at Arby's or, or Menards or Home Depot and, and uh, whatever the bill was, they cut it in half. You'd say, wow, thank you very much. You'd love that manager. You'd appreciate that guy because he was helping you. Well, everybody began to appreciate this fella. Though he was derelict and though he was disorganized and lazy and irresponsible, unjust, he became extremely popular in that community. I think you could see him rolling up to Dunkin' Donut. I don't think he bought his own coffee. <laughs> I think someone came behind him and said, oh, no, let me take care of this guy. He's, he's, he's been a blessing to my family. I think when he went places, people said, hey, man, they put his arm around him and not in social distancing situations, but the, maybe there they did. And there wasn't a COVID going on. And so they said, hey, this is my friend. And not only was he popular, but his boss was popular. People probably complimented his boss. I could just imagine his boss is sitting at the tea shop and he's drinking tea and a fellow comes up to him and said, Mr. So-and-so, I just want to tell you, you're a great guy and, and I really appreciate the discount you gave me. I'm sure his boss said something like this. What are you talking about? What discount are you talking about? He said, oh, that guy that works for you, he's just been a blessing. He cut my bill in half and he really helped my family. He goes, he did what? Oh, it was, it was getting, but sure enough, everybody fell in love with him and fell in love with his boss. Well, the boss figured out what was going on. He said, this guy is shyster. He's a shyster. He's shrewd. But rather than getting angry with him, maybe the boss was kind of shrewd too. I don't know. But rather than getting frustrated and angry with him, he said about this guy, I got to hand it to him. The Bible uses the word, he commended the unjust steward. Why would he commend him? He said, because he exercised wisdom. He said, sometimes the people in this world, the children of darkness and the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. He's a wicked dude, but he had a good idea here. He exercised some wisdom. Well, friend, what kind of wisdom did he exercise? Here's what I think happened. He knew that he only had a short time to be a steward. He was going to get fired. And he took advantage of that time and he did what he could to make a lot of friends so that when he was fired, he had a place to go. And he had friends that would help him whenever he got fired and he couldn't feed himself or whatever, uh, he had a place to go. Say, Pastor, what in the world? That's a crazy story. Let's write out the pages of our Bible. But now let's pick up what Jesus said. Do you have your Bible there? Look at it with me, if you would, please. We're looking at Luke chapter 16. Would you look at verse number 9? And the Bible says, this is where Jesus speaks. Now, the other time, he's telling a story, and he's telling what the, the man's uh, boss said about him. He said, he has done wisely. Verse number 9, this is where Jesus is talking. Here's what he says. Are you ready? And I say unto you, Jesus is talking now. 
Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. The story is over, boys and girls, but here's the lesson. And Jesus says to his disciples, his followers, are you a follower of Jesus? Then it's to you. Am I a follower of Jesus? Then it's to me. He says, listen here, that's the story. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Get out there and make to yourselves friends using your possessions. The mammon of unrighteousness. It is material goods that we have that it's not, money is not evil. Sometimes will people will say, well, you know how money is the root of all evil. That's not a Bible verse. That's not true. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. But God says, use what you have. Use your possessions and get out there and make friends so that when you get fired from living, when you die, and you know what? Every one of us have got an appointment with death and you're not going to miss it. I'm going to be there when it happens to me and you'll be there when it happens for you. And you don't know when it's going to happen. The Bible's very clear in Hebrews chapter number uh, 9, verse number 37. He says, it reminds us, it's appointed as it's appointed. Every man wants to die and after that, the judgment. Here's what's going on. Here's what's taking place. Just as that boss has called that guy in and said, listen, you haven't done that good of a job, but in a few days we're going to talk about it and you're going to give an account. God can say to me, John, you've been living 52 years. You've been breathing air 52 years. Your heart's been beating. But in a few days, you and me are going to sit down and John, you're going to give an account. What you did with my stuff. What you did with the things that I gave you. Now, dear friend, that's going to happen to you, too. I remember Brother Gibbs saying at our son's funeral, in just a few days, we will all be where Tyler is. Boy, it always just always resonated with me. But you know, in just a few days, you're going to sit down with God Almighty. You're going to look into the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're going to have a sit down. The Bible says every one of us must give an account of himself to God. And you know what you're going to talk about? You're not going to talk about sin if you're saved. Now listen, let me just tell you something. Let me just say something real quickly. If you're not saved, you're going to meet God. It's going to be a thousand years plus, but you're going to meet God and you're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And your conversation with God is going to be about your sin. Because everyone leaves this world, they go into eternity with their sin or with God's Son. If you choose to reject Jesus Christ, you're going to go into eternity with your sin and you'll be standing before God. And what the books are going to be open. Read it for yourself. Revelation chapter 20. The books are going to be open. And the books are going to be about your sin against a holy God. And you will be sent to the lake of fire. Cast is what the Bible says. In the lake of fire forever and ever. That's why you want to make sure you're saved. That's why you don't want to gamble about eternity. Dear friend, if you're not saved, get saved. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now, today, is the day of salvation. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Overcome your pride and admit, I don't know for sure I'm saved. I need to believe and receive Jesus Christ. Accept God's Son. He that hath the Son hath everlasting life. But if you are saved, if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, in a few days you're going to stand before God and so am I. 
And dear friend, what we're going to do is we're going to look into the eyes of God and we're going to have a sit down. And you know what's going to be on the table? Not my sin. Jesus took my sin for me. What's going to be on the table is what I did with what he gave me. That's scary. Say, Pastor, what are some things that God gave me? Well, I think, number one, he gave you talent. He gave you some things that you can do especially. Say, Pastor, I don't have that much talent. What can you do? Can you talk? Can you walk? Can you move your hands? Can you clean a vacuum? Can you vacuum a, a seat in the auditorium? Can you participate in a work day? Can you give out a gospel track? Can you go to someone and tell them about the Lord? Hey, what is it you can do? Everyone has gifts. The Bible says that God gave gifts to men in Ephesians chapter 4. And that God says, I want everybody to use the gift I gave them in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10. Hey, listen, you got a gift, your talent. You're going to be talking to Jesus about what you did with your talent. You're going to be talking to Jesus what you did with your time. All of us have 168 hours in every week. You got the same amount of time in your day as I do in mine. But I'm going to give account how much I spent in prayer, in word of God, in giving, in service, uh, all of it. I'm not trying. I, you evaluate it. You do the checkup. You look and see. Because you're going to talk to Jesus about that. Because you know what time is? It's a gift from God. Your talents. The Bible says we'll give an account for our temple. What we did with our body. How we fed it. How we took care of it. Uh, all of that. This is We just get one of these in this lifetime. Can't trade it in when we're 50. <laughs> I found that out. Uh, 52. I've got to deal with this. And this is not my body. As a matter of fact, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. They belong to God. Hey, friend, what are you going to give account for? Oh, our time, our talent, our temple. Uh, we'll give an account for our training. You know how to lead someone to Christ? You know how to teach a Sunday school class? You know how to lead a program on a bus? You know how to go gospel visitation? Hey, listen, friend, in just a few days, we're all going to stand before God and give an account in this little parentheses we have called life. This story teaches me the stewardship of life. It teaches me the guarantee of accountability. I'm going to give an account of the money that has gone through these hands and in this wallet in that bank account. You're going to give an account of your business and your work. Hey, listen, you can keep it secret now. My, my finances, personal finances, for the most part, is secret to most people. Yours is secret to other people. But one day, the books will be open. It's going to be obvious to everybody what I did with my finances, how much I spent in, the, in eternal matters, how much I spent on carnal matters. And friends, you know what you can do? You know one of the things I love about giving to missions? And by the way, this is a season of time where a little goes a long way. I don't know exactly what God wants me to do, but I will say this, over the next few weeks and months, and, and I maybe even longer, we're going to have opportunities most of us are not hurting. There's a few families hurting, but most of us are not hurting financially. We live in a blessed country. They've awarded us. We, even our workplaces are furloughing us and still paying us, many of us. 
We have all we need. We're not worried. But uh, as we heard in South Africa, most people are not worried about the virus. They're worried about staying alive. They're worried about finances and food. Most of us, that's not our issue. You can look at our physical physique and tell us we're not starving to death. We're all right. But we have been blessed, and we're blessed to be a blessing. You'll give an account of your treasure, your training. You'll even give an account of your trials. You'll give an account of your family, how you, how you took care of your wife and your kids, and how you responded to your husband and your children. Kids, you're going to give an account of how you obeyed and submitted to your mom and dad. You're going to give an account what decisions you made after graduation. All those things. Boy, you need to remind yourself, Jesus said after this, everyone's got an appointment with the boss. And you're going to give an account. So go out there and make yourselves friends, eternal friends, with the unrighteous mammon that's in this world. So that when you fail, that means when you get fired from living, when you die, that you, they will join you into everlasting habitations. And then, in closing, God gives us a couple thoughts. I want to give them to you real quickly. Look at verse 10, would you please? Look at your Bible. Don't just look at me. Get your Bible out. Luke 16, verse number 10. Here's what the Bible says. He says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Dear friend, Here's, here's Jesus' advice. This is, didn't come from John Wilkerson. Didn't come from a commentary. I mean, you can see it right there in the page of your Bible. On the conclusion, on the heels of this story and this admonition, he said, he that is faithful in little will be faithful in much. He that is unjust in little will be unjust in much. He's telling us, I want you to be faithful in the little opportunities and the chances you have in this life. Listen, if you're, if you're not going to live for God in a studio, you won't live for God in a mansion. If you won't uh, live for God when you're making 10 bucks an hour, you won't live for God when you're making 100 bucks an hour. If you won't be faithful in the country, you won't be faithful in the city. If you won't be faithful in the bus route, you're not going to be faithful in pastoring a church one day. Hey, listen, God is always looking how we handle little things in our life. See, Pastor, what's he going to evaluate? He's going to evaluate the little stuff. God is the greatest investor. We learn from the story of Asa in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward him. The second thing he says, I want you to not only handle and take care of little things, but of financial things. Look at verse 11. Would you look at it with me? If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? God looks at little things. He's look, looking at lucrative things. He's looking at financial things. He says, if a man can't handle a dollar bill, then I am not going to give him things that money can't buy. True riches. Many of us, we chase money. We think about money. We're chasing it all the time. And it takes money to live. We understand that. But God's watching how you handle what you have. And then he gives you things that money can't buy. True riches. You know what true riches are? Influence in the lives of people. Godly children. A beautiful marriage. Oh, money can buy a beautiful wedding, but it can't give you a good marriage. Money can buy you a beautiful mattress, but it can't give you a good night's rest. 
can't buy peace, can't buy even prosperity. I believe that that is what God gives. He can't buy influence for souls and men and women, boys and girls, and the eternal uh, endeavors. Those are true riches. Those are things that transition uh, the uh, eternity's window. God's watching how we handle little things, lucrative things, and then others' things. Here we see in the next verse, verse number 12, if you've not been faithful in that which is another, another man's, who will give you that which is your own? You know, in this lifetime, I believe everything is a stewardship. But God wants to give us things that are our own, and that's, I think, in the millennium and in eternity future. This is our chance. You're a steward. I'm a steward. We're going to meet up with the Master in just a few days and give an account of our time, our talents, our treasure. We'll give, it, we'll give an account of our, our family, how we operated in our family, uh, all the things, our training, our trials, all these matters. Are you ready to meet your Master? You know, Amos said, I think this, he said, uh, prepare to meet your God. One thing I learned about this story is I want to make some friends for eternity. And I need to use what God's given me at my disposal at this present time. It's not mine. Nothing I have is mine. The number one financial principle that everyone needs to learn is in this lifetime, you own zero. God owns everything. It's for your child of God. And if He owns everything, then He has right. You should not, we shouldn't do anything without saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want to do with this? What would you want me to, to put this toward? What do you want to do with your business? What do you want to do with your family? What do you want to do with my time? God, give me direction. Walk in the Spirit that we not fulfill the lust of the flesh because that's wasted. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's learn from things in this story. You know, money, money is for four things. Number one, it's securing money. You've you got to secure money right. Don't waste your health trying to find it. Don't waste your family trying to find it. And certainly don't do it with this illegal means. How you secure money is important. How you save money is important. How you spend money is important. Being content. And how you share money is important. And sharing money in this lifetime oftentimes is a, one of the best ways to make eternal friends. That when you fail, when you die, they'll receive you to everlasting habitations. This is the advice of a God who loves us, who knows what's best. Let's believe Him. Let's obey Him. Let's let God speak to our heart this evening.